When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. No idea when Dev starts on this. Oh, me neither. Is it now? It can't be now. There's no way. Wait, it's coming up. Okay, hold on. Okay. Places. Places. The history of film. That better who you read when the lights go dim. From James Cagney to, to Nosferatu and stunts that shock you. And dirty, dirty studios made. From wings, wings to, to Top Gun, movie stars and no ones, romantic crazy fans that leave no real fun. Hollywood is still some history in Hollywood. They chase the Oscar, but it's all a sham, just like Shaq and Kazam. All your dreams can come true. History, the history of film. All of it made for you. God, that was terrible. This is going to be a random shout-out, and I'm so excited about this because this person listening right now has no idea that I'm about to shout them out. But I'm going to shout-out V.P. Morris, an author who's a fan of the show, who's also a friend of Shelby's. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, shout-out to you, V.P. Thank you for listening. She nice. said she listens to every episode. Nice. She's like a horror yeah. author. She's fucking cool as hell. Awesome. Yeah. Hell yeah. Awesome. We Thank got some cool you. fans. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We got some cool listeners, you know. That's a, that's a kind of a consistent story. It's like the people who, like, listen to us are like, I listen to every episode. Like, yeah. that's cool. We got retention. Like, that's very cool. Our fans are our fans. We appreciate that. Shout out to uh, TikTok user Fortunate Son for uh, once again popping into my TikTok live. This time he, uh, he popped in and uh, he just typed in the comments. Have you ever wanted to start your own podcast? It, it took me a second. I was like, oh, that's, that's my ad read. <laughs> that's awesome. And so, uh, have was... you ever wanted to start a podcast? <laughs> or, uh, my favorite part is uh, you would think it's so complicated, and so did I. But now I don't. <laughs> yeah. Because I'm anger. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I, 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 I enjoyed recording that. But, uh, but yeah, no, it was cool to kind of just like talk back and forth with him about, about film history and stuff. So that's awesome. Yeah. I guess I get some live feedback on some things and, uh, uh, he's, he's loving it. <laughs> that's so. fucking awesome, dude. Uh, I love our mm. listeners. Mm. Our listeners are very cool. We've got a, we got a cool crowd. Yeah. Absolutely. You know? My favorite thing was from the analytics from our, our podcast. And it, what we gathered really was that when people start to listen, they like stay listening. Like, yeah. They're yeah. fans. We have like a, a very yeah. large retainership yeah. and like the ones that fuck with us, fuck mm. with us hard. Yep. And that's dope. Yeah. We, we retain you. Well, and speaking of fucking hard, (laughs) (laughs) speaking of fucking as hard, we're getting into part two, right? Yeah. Part two of Clara (laughs) Bow. I didn't know what part we were going into. I I tried my damnedest to split up the first one into two parts because I really didn't want to edit an hour and a half episode. All good. And I did just, there was no way to do it. All good. It was just, it was an hour and a half episode. They got a nice meaty chunk of Clara Bow. Meaty chunk. So we got to, we got to, and this (laughs) one, the episode was fucking tragic. Oh my God. I'm glad you didn't cut it up into two. If I had split it into two parts, part two. Two would have just been burning and rape. Yeah, like, <laughs> that's what we would have named the episode: <laughs> burning and rape. Yeah, dude. No, I'm glad this was split up into two because today, actually, we're gonna get into like a lot happier shit. Oh, uh, cool. Her life, the roller coaster's coming back up for this one. Thank God. Cool. So, you know, life has its roller coasters, man. <laughs> Sometimes you go way down, <laughs> way down. I think her roller coaster went off the tracks. Yeah. <laughs> well, we're about to get back on the tracks. Things get more fun from here. Her childhood and teenage years weren't the best, but uh, things get better now. So I got a surprise for you guys today. We're going to get a little blast from the past. Oh, wait. Oh, wait. Oh, I hear him now. Come on in, Mr. Radio Man. Oh, oh my the God. Radio Man. <coughs> I thought he was dead already. So long. He's, Resurrected you know, from the grave. Yeah, man. He's been dead. He's been alive. He's all over the place. Mr. This, radio Man is back. I can't tell if it's Mr. Radio Man or the ghost of Mr. Radio Man. <laughs> oh. Last we left our hero, 
Clara Bow was born in Brooklyn. Clara Bow was born in Brooklyn in 1905 to a jobless, absent father and a mother who is certifiably cuckoo bananas. <laughs> she grew up rough, moving around Brooklyn from hovel to hovel, watching her mom pay visits to the asylum and being stuck at home with her perv of a dad. <laughs> When she was 16, she made a big splash at the Brewster Publications Motion Picture Magazine's Fame and Fortune Acting Competition, even landing a role in a small film. After her mother's passing, Clara dropped out of high school to pursue acting for real. And that's it. Thanks, Mr. Radio Man. <laughs> I'm going to go back to my cave now. Thanks for having me again. Life is searing hell. Why do you live in a cave, Mr. Radio Man? Because life is searing hell. (laughs) Mr. Radio Man's inflection on perv of a dad (laughs) was pretty fucking priceless. Mr. Radio Man, he's burning in the same pit that Clara Bow's friend was. Yeah, man. And Mr. Radio Man is just uh, the tortured tortured artist, you know. (laughs) We pull him out when we need him. We made him an artist, for Uh sure. Absolutely. He was made into an artist. But that's where we are now, or more or less uh, where we are. (laughs) More like, when are we? (laughs) When are we? This show is off the rails now. 1923 is where part two begins. Ah, that's like this year, but long time ago. That is this year, except for 100 years long time ago. Yeah. Yes, exactly 100 years long time ago. Uh, We've certainly discussed this year a time or two, but we're going to do it again here today. So, roaring 20s. (laughs) The roaring 20s, baby. Two years in. Two years into the old, the roar. It was just a, it was just a baby, uh, a baby lion, a cub, a lion cub. That's what I'm looking for. What? So there's a bunch of people in Victorian outfits doing drugs and fucking. That's right. Listening to jazz. Yeah, hell yeah, the Roaring Twenties, baby. Warren G. Harding is president for most of the year until he dies of a heart attack, handing the seat to Calvin Coolidge. The real Roaring Twenties. Yeah, man. He had cool in the name. He was a cool guy, baby. What did Coolidge do? Dev, what was Coolidge famous for? Um, I don't remember. Probably fucking shit up. I don't know. Yeah, I think he fucked shit up. I, every time I make a joke on film history about someone being old, I say they party with Calvin Coolidge. I mean, I Wait, think really? he... Yeah. He I don't remember you ever saying that. Oh, maybe I've never said it here on air. I don't think you ever said that. I say it in life. <laughs> I've never heard you say that ever. (laughs) So email us at filmhistory at AOL.com if you've ever heard me say that. Do you have Alzheimer's? (laughs) I can hear it. Do you want to play with an octopus in VR? (laughs) I've never heard you say anything about Calvin Coolidge before. Hey, man, look, we've talked about Calvin before. I think you're making this up. He put the cool in Coolidge, you know what I'm saying? Oh, man. Dev's looking up Calvin Coolidge facts. Yeah, he was named uh, the Silent Cow. Oh, because wow. he had a dry sense of humor and a taciturn personality, <laughs> according, <laughs> according to the papers. Those old tack turners, dude. <laughs> so, them, them old tack turners. So, Calvin Coolidge is president now. This was the year the King Tut burial chamber is opened. Unleashing oh. the curses that would lead us to where we are now, nice. by the way. Good. Yeah. yeah, that that's, explains it. That's where it all begins. A hundred years... <laughs> A hundred years ago, we uh, unleashed King Tut, you know, and that explains where we are now. Uh, Dev, I thought you'd be interested in that. I mean, yo, I've met him. He's not so bad, (laughs) all right? Like, once you go check out the tomb and you can, like, be like, I could see myself in here for a little bit. There's nice art on the walls. You got all your favorite things around you. Yeah. You know, even if there's just pieces of them in jars, you got, like, your dog, <laughs> but his heart's over there, his head's over there. I kind of want pieces of me in jars when I die. Yeah, old KT. Old KT, man. Old Tut. The Tut, dude. The Tut, dude. 99.1. The Tut. <laughs> yeah, Up next, The Doors. Frozen. I don't want to be, like, dizzy and be nah. frozen. I want to be mummified. Yeah. Either burn me on, like, a Viking on a raft in the ocean or mummify me. Hell put yeah. me in a tomb. And I'm going to come back and slow walk that bitch. You that know what would I'm be amazing. Ugh. As, like, a science project, our future highly evolved <laughs> humans are just... Digging out monies and like these kids are like, we're gonna reanimate this body and then you zoom back to life on the kids. <laughs> I'll be the first mummy TikToker. Get famous <laughs> as shit. The first home game is played at Yankee Stadium this year with the Yankees taking on the Boston Red Sox. 
<coughs> Damn. I'm going to die here on this podcast. <coughs> so this turn? Oh, oh, no, begins. we're okay. Yep, this... Oh, it began a long time ago, brother. <laughs> My death began the day I was born. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I meant the Yankees and Red Sox. Oh, that's when the Yankees and Red Sox said it all began, yes. <laughs> That's where the Yankees Red Sox thing began and but also your death my death. Begin too. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> 1923 is also when Warner Brothers Studios begins production and is established on Sunset Boulevard. So this is the first days of Warner. That's where we're Whoa. at. Yeah, man. Wow. This is when the bros. Warner Brothers on Sunset? Yeah, they opened it on Sunset originally. Oh, when they move. Oh, back in the day. <laughs> Long time ago. At some point. Yeah. <laughs> so probably like the 40s or something. 30s yeah. or 40s. It was something like that. Between now and then. I don't know. If Within I, the last hundred years. <laughs> I think we discussed it long ago, but they had moved from Chicago because it was too cold to film movies there in the winter. Yeah. So they came they out to L.A. Had shitty weather. Yeah. yeah. They couldn't. Not only that, but it was like cloudy and they couldn't get light right. In the yeah. Rain. And they were Polish. And Edison was chasing them down the block. <laughs> yes. Oh, Edison was pissed. They were running. You know. It was cold. It was cold. They're like, let's go to Sunset. Let's do Sunset Boulevard, baby. Let's sometime, hit the strip. Sometime in the next hundred years, we'll move to Burbank. <laughs> they moved the sun cameras and just head out west. <laughs> they moved to Sunset so they could watch Motley Crue at the Viper Room. You know. After Burbank was invented, they just moved up there. <laughs> They're like, oh, there's this new invention called Burbank. Let's get out there. Our, our death began at birth. Uh, this year, 1923, you can buy an electric sewing machine for $78.95. That's so expensive Whoa. in 1923. Yes, through the old... And how much is a car? A thousand bucks? Yeah, about, yeah, exactly. It's about, or not even that, really. Through the old infla- inflation calculator, $78.95 is uh, 1200 bucks. Whoa! Yeah. What the fuck? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they had inflation in the 20s. <laughs> That's wild, dude. Yeah, dude. They Bro, were, that'd be like buying a computer, dude. Yeah, man. Well, you know, we got to get them women sewing. You know what I'm saying? Get them in there patching up my work shirt. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Electric was, sewers. You could, you could, you'd spend more than that on uh, Alan Turing's sex computer. You know? <laughs> the world's first domestic refrigerator is sold in Sweden, and the world's first portable radio is developed in the U.S. I prefer the foreign refrigerators. Yeah, um, yeah, the Swedish fridges. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Man, uh, they're just so much more comfortable on the inside. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> For Dahmer? <laughs> the steering wheel's on the other side of the fridge, though. Yeah. How did those cops not see the heads in his fridge and the dick? He had dicks in his fridge. Well, I hope he had a Swedish fridge to keep those dicks cold. You know yeah. what I'm saying? American Who? Fridge Who? Jeffrey Dahmer. Never heard of him. <laughs> the Netflix show? He partied with Calvin Coolidge. I've made that joke here plenty of times. <laughs> Are we in the Twilight Zone? <laughs> yeah, this has gone off the rails. But most importantly to our story today, 1923 is the year that Clara Bow, she's 18 years old, and as Radio Man, depressed ass Radio Man told us earlier, she had competed in the Fame and Fortune contest a few years ago and made a big impression, made a big impression as an actress. Mm. And uh, you remember her father told her she should be knocking on doors of agencies mm-hmm. and studios, pounding the pavement type mm-hmm. of approach. Mm-hmm. Uh, according to Clara, so she was doing that. This was the year. She was 18. She was fucking knocking mm-hmm. on doors. She's like, Back when apply in person was relevant yes, like advice. <laughs> yes. And this is what I was talking about, too. Yeah. I wish there was a fucking fame and fortune contest nowadays. Yeah. I mean, I guess there sort of is, but, yeah. you know, it would be yeah. you it's and... It's called, like... Fucking TikTok. Yeah, it's called Instagram. Yeah, yeah. Be, be hot on Instagram. Yeah, but it's not thirty of like you know your toe-headed fucking locals, <laughs> local yokels coming to audition. Now you got a million yeah. cute little you know TikTok fucks. Hey, you know that's you the know? world. <laughs> that's the world, baby. <laughs> Living, keep L I V I N. We got more people. This is to keep us inflating the population. <laughs> yeah, twenty-five-year-old I mean, swimsuit model or right. bearded lady. That's right. Yeah. Gonna, exactly. That was the competition. Back then, you think Clara Bow would be a famous TikToker now? Well, I, uh, I don't know. She couldn't. Uh, make, she couldn't make it the talkies, right? She made the talkies. Okay, yeah. yeah she right. did a few I feel talkies. Like she would be a YouTuber more than a TikToker. <clears throat> yeah, she'd probably do YouTube. Cause she would just. I feel like she would just want to go around and just be badass and people, yeah. people follow her. Watch like, Honestly, I, not even no shade, no tea, no lemonade, whatever. Uh, she'd probably be on Pornhub. 
Oh, honest. yeah. Yeah, she was yeah. a very oh, sexual yeah. person. Oh, OnlyFans, yeah. Yeah, yeah, she would do OnlyFans. She'd definitely yeah. have an OnlyFans. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. was like, she ain't giving that away for free. Yeah. That's true. Yeah, It'd be yeah. OnlyFans. She'd be Tana yeah. Mojo. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, her okay. dad would be the one answering and replying to all the guys' messages. Yeah. There. yeah. there we go. Okay, we found her, we found her modern day we surrogate. Yes. Tana Mojo, congratulations. <laughs> You're the Clara Bow of our day. <laughs> So according to Clara, she's knocking on doors. She's doing her thing. It's 1923. She said, there was always something. I was too young or too little or too fat. Usually, I was too fat. Really? Yeah, this started even back then. What? You had to be a fucking little beanpole to be an actor. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Be a beanpole? <laughs> you had to be a twig. Mm. Yeah, even back then, man. They were telling well, they her she's too fat. had to wear so much clothing yeah. that it already added like pounds and weight and like thickness. So... What? The smaller you are, the more normal you look in those clothes. Yeah, you know? and, and I'm thinking about it like she's 18. She grew mm-hmm. up in Brooklyn. Very rough fucking life. Very poor. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I would imagine she weighed all of like 95 pounds. Yeah. You know? And they were like, yeah, oh, it's, it's, yeah that's crazy. What, what do they expect? <laughs> what do they like, want? They're like, we can see your cheekbones, but we want to see some actual skull. Hey, there, if I know? can't see your ribs. <laughs> <laughs> Too fat. Get out of here. I want to be able to stop. I want to be able to play your ribs like a washboard. <laughs> You know, like, <laughs> have you ever heard of a xylophone? Yeah, your ribs need to be xylophone size, and then get back in here. <laughs> Bring in the money man. He wants to play the xylophone on Clara. So her luck changed. <laughs> we should just cut all of that. <laughs> Can we have money man t-shirts? Yeah, money, we need money man t-shirts. Yeah, bringing the money man needs to go in the theme song for sure. <laughs> Her luck all changed when actor-turned-director Elmer Clifton came along. So this guy was in a few big movies. He was an actor back in the day. He was in uh, movies like Birth of a Nation, oh, if you remember. The, nice. The big KKK Gee, movie. What'd he play in that? <laughs> I wonder. I wonder. I wonder how much FaceTime he actually got in that, or if yeah. it was all covered up by a hood most of the time, you know? Did he bring his own costume to set? <laughs> and every time I mention this movie, I will mention once again, Griffith Park. Absolutely was named after D.W. Griffith. You can't convince me otherwise, even though they say it wasn't. It was a different Griffith. I'm te- No, man, there's no way. That man That man there's created no this town. H- Hollywood we land. already went down no. this I know, and I don't believe road. it. It's, it's revisionist it's history. It's different Griffith. Revisionist history. <laughs> history is written by the victor. And in this case, there's right. another Griffith. We here on Film History, the history of film, believe that Griffith Park was named after the one and only racist D.W. Griffith that made Birth of a Nation and that they covered it up in history and made it look like that other Griffith guy. So you're telling me that the place... Right next to Griffith Park called Hollywood Land right. with the sign that was a white-only subdivision built right. on the top of the hills to get away from the riffraff That's of right. Los Angeles had nothing to do with Griffith next door. If I were a, a homeowners association in yeah. the old Hollywood Land, if we were trying to decide what to name the park right next to us, <laughs> I think a racist white supremacist who's might, in the film industry. It might as well have been called. Be a, it might as well have been called Holly really White. Bad. Yeah, but this Griffith predates that Griffith. Hey man, look. <laughs> it was Griffith Jenkins Griffith. Griffith Jenkins Griffith. Yeah, right. Who's Griffith Jenkins Griffith? He was born in 1850. He, he had Griffith in his name twice. <laughs> he died in 19. This man was double Griffith. This man was Griffith squared. <laughs> There's no way. They just made this person up as the phone guy. <laughs> he died uh, in 1919. Well, hey, what was the real guy's name? Oh, it was uh, Griffith. Uh, Griffith Griffith. Oh, yeah, okay. Sure, sure, sure. That makes sense. That's was, a real person. Yeah, Griffith Welsh, Lamp. He was a Welsh-born American industrialist and philanthropist. He was a fictional character <laughs> yes. in the novel of Hollywood. This is how you know they're fucking with us, just by naming it Griffith Griffith. Does Griffith. this man look made up to you? Damn, that's a real man. That man, that mustache is real. That's for damn sure. That mustache goes for days. Does that look that like... That mustache? Looks like, that looks like way too clear of a picture for being <laughs> yeah, 1890. They took that, that in 1996. That's like a, it was like a DSLR. Look how fucking high depth that old They took that in 1996. That is an AI-generated image. I don't believe anything in the world Both part, Both sides of his mustache are named Griffith, and there's the G in the middle of it. After amassing a significant fortune from 
from a mining syndicate in oh, the late 1880s. Oh, my God. Well, look, he was probably just as bad <laughs> yeah, anyway. Yeah, this guy sounds like a gem. Yeah. <laughs> he donated uh, 3,000 acres to the city of Los Angeles, which became Griffith Park. Yeah, and he's... he bequeathed the money to build the park, its Greek theater, and Griffith Observatory. Okay. And, Griffith and then his son, D.W. When you bequeath money, yeah, you're man. an asshole. Yeah. Why, you can't just donate it? It's just give money laundering. <laughs> You have to bequeath. Oh, this is amazing. Oh my god, let's hear it. Griffith's legacy was marred by his notorious shooting of his wife in 1903. <laughs> <laughs> a crime in which he, he served a year and nine months in prison for. This is That's what okay. happens when you give a fucking park to the city. That's exactly right. And this is the thing. This is the thing. This is the lesson of the day, kids. Go digging into any of these people's history, and it will turn out bad. It doesn't matter who named the park. It was a bad fucking person. That's how it's always going to go. If the park was named after them, Griffith Park, Central Park, Mr. Central was probably a fucking rapist. If a park is named after a person, that person was a cannibal who raped children. And that's, that's all there is to it. So was it named after the racist man? It was named after the domestic abuser. Okay, that's much better. <laughs> a year and nine months is not a lot of time not for a lot of shooting times. your wife. She was crazy. But did she, she die? Crazy. I don't know. She just I, got shot. I don't, that's very true. You seem to, back then you didn't die from gunshots. It was more yeah. like malaria. I'll, I'll do some digging. Oh my I'll God. come with more Fantastic. receipts in the next episode. I'm of, so glad that you brought that of up. Of Griffith Griffith. Okay. I'll, I will, from now on, I'll credit the park to Griffith G.J. Griffith. <laughs> the woman shooter. So, the woman the shooting mustache you. Named after the horrible woman shooter <laughs> mining tycoon. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> I would love is I would next also, to the place that's the racist. I would summer. also love all this. Right. I would also love this if the revisionist history guy was like, "All right, we're gonna change the that we're gonna tell people from now on that it was named after this one guy," and then he names the whole thing after this one guy. He's like, "Fuck, that guy shot his wife." <laughs> Damn it! He's like, "Do you do want we, the KKK guy or the wife shooter?" Do we have another Griffith in the tank? <laughs> Peter. From Family Guy. <laughs> That's what, in 20 years, they're going to be like, no, this park was named after Peter Griffith from Family Guy. Oh, my oh, God. God. Oh, my kidneys hurt. Glad we got to the bottom of that. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, this guy, Elmer Clifton, he's in Birth of a Nation. They should put a plaque and a statue up at the observatory for, <laughs> for Griffith. Griffith J. Griffith. Gun in hand. The, the mustache. Just like frozen and the wife's terrified. They just need a they just need a, a bronze bust of his mustache. Man, that mustache was amazing. I'm sure I, I'm I don't know how he even shot his wife. How did he get the gun that? around his mustache to shoot his wife? I don't believe that picture. I don't believe it. <laughs> it's a really clear picture. It's they super have... fucking clear. I'm telling you. It's clear. This dude died in nineteen seventeen or some shit, right? Yeah. They didn't have fucking cameras that good it's then. Clear, man. And he's clearly but not look, as dude, old as when he died. That was film, baby. That was thirty two millimeter right there. You know what I'm saying? That is bullshit, is what that is. That is that's a community actor from Melrose from 1996. Bro, I've seen this guy do background work. This is not real. They're He's like, central casting on. They're like, all right, we need to clean out the image of Griffith Park, but if we make it too clean, yeah, we suspect, gotta get something. Suspect something. Somebody's like, oh, he shot his wife and gave everyone black lung. Perfect. Run with Perfect. it. Run with that. It's better than the KKK. <laughs> But that's what this guy did. He did a KKK movie, Elmer Clifton. <laughs> he was he was a part of the real the real deal, Griffith. Uh, <laughs> There's an OG Griff. He's an OG Griff. He was not part of Griffith Griffith. He was a part of DW, who made the whole KKK movie, Birth of a Nation. But this guy now, he was like, you know what? Maybe I should get behind them cameras. Maybe I should start directing my own KKK movies. So, <laughs> so he made a career change, which is kind of interesting. He's like, "All right, I'm I'm done being in front of the camera now that I played that KKK dude. I'm not really getting too many auditions anymore. <laughs> I feel like, like the I'm being typecast, and I really don't like it. People wonder why when I played a Nazi in War Pigs, I became a writer afterwards. Yeah. You know? So, <laughs> so Elmer's making her career change. He's behind the cameras. He he's directing. He's producing. And he's getting up and running on this new film about whalers in Massachusetts. Mm. And it was this, like, it was really cool, actually. Mm. It's 1920s. It's, like, half scripted. So he had a script in mind 
about whalers in Massachusetts, but when he got there, he used real fucking whalers to be in this movie. This is a silent film. No one's saying shit, you that know, so. Still sounds like a bad idea. <laughs> it, it was a, It was also like, yeah, it was kind of a, apparently like hellacious to shoot. Uh, very cold. But he's filming this movie about whalers, and there's a character in the movie. She's like this tomboy. Uh, her dad's a whaler, and she wants to be a whaler. But it's mm-hmm. 1923, and it's a silent picture, mm-hmm. so it's all about, like, you're a woman. You can't be a whaler, you know? Women don't do that shit. Women don't whale. Women don't whale. <laughs> Women don't whale. They whale in a different way. <laughs> <laughs> they get whaled on in the 1920s, yeah. that's for sure. If you want to be a movie star, that is. Oh, they whale in good uh, ways, and they whale in bad ways. <laughs> they whale in bad ways, they get whaled on. <laughs> So so there's this tomboy role where, you know, this girl wants to be a whaler like her dad, and he's looking for this type of woman. He's looking for this type of actress. I need someone who's, like, beautiful, but also sort of boyish, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. And uh, pretty, pretty taboo at the time, but also not really. Mm-hmm. This is pre-code. Mm-hmm. This is still the 1920s. This is yeah. when we were fucking letting that shit fly. You were letting your freak flag fly. You I know? need a lady that can slaughter a whale and harvest its blubber <laughs> in yeah. the freezing cold waters of North New England. That's right. I need a woman who can throw a spear at a whale, but with red lipstick on. I need a woman know? who wants to do the worst possible job in existence. <laughs> yeah, yeah, killing whales. But she's like a bad person, but she's still pretty. Yeah. You know? Yeah, yeah. We need that girl. But it's like, it's like I just... What is this? What is this narrative of this woman who aspires to do like this terrible job? Oh man, it was the twenties. It would be like, oh man, what terrible! I wish I could go into the coal mines. It's like, why do you want that? Why do you wish that? Like daddy, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, it's like I love when dad throws that spear at the whale and the life goes out of its eyes. You know, I want to feel that. I want to. I want to feel taking the life away from a, a giant domestic. Domestic. A giant majestic creature is what I was going for. <laughs> I don't know if they're even domestic. I don't think you can domesticate a whale. It's the years of domestic abuse as a child allowed her to channel this character it's like you realize- into fits of rage and wondering, why? where does that darkness in you come from? Like, playing this part very accurately. Yeah. Uh, but it's like you realize the men don't want to be doing this. They have to do it. You yeah. know what I mean? It's like no one wants to be a whaler. Well, she wanted to That's do not too. true. Cat Mayhap really wanted to be a whaler. <laughs> That's you true, want to man. Be doing shit. Hemingway yeah. too. Yeah. But uh so Clifton, he's he's getting this movie off the ground and it's like his baby, and he sees Clarabo's picture in that fucking motion pictures magazine. Mm. She he sees the pictures from the competition. Mm. He's like, after I take this to the bathroom for a while, I gotta talk to some people. <laughs> you know? <Fuck>. Um <laughs> You mean the outhouse. Behind the Oh yeah, yeah. Behind yeah, yeah. the shed, really. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There was no plumbing. The cum mm. just sat in the toilet, you know, and you just had to pee around it. Um, <laughs> That's, that that's should be on a t-shirt. Just come all so, over in the walls, like marking his territory. It's just dried. That's how they hung pictures. That's how God, they hung dude. posters around the, the past bathroom. was such trash. I know, man. I know. I hate the past. <laughs> the past was terrible. Uh, so he sees her picture in this magazine. And uh, so he contacts the magazine. He's like, who the fuck is this girl, man? Like, I got to have this girl for my whale movie, you know? <laughs> and he talks to... He talks to <laughs> I'm looking for this girl for the whale thing. And the editor that he spoke to at the magazine happened to have been one of the fucking judges that day at the competition. Oh, I remember that whale girl. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) That girl would be perfect for a whale movie, you know? I remember that whale dog woman. Oh, you mean this dog woman? This dog woman. (laughs) She's way boyish, I just want you to know. Like, way tomboyish. And we're talking about, like, a girl probably, like, I don't know, she likes to, like, you know, carve wood. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That woman will never marry, you know? (laughs) (laughs) She climbed a tree once. (laughs) As you remember, her mother, her crazy-ass mom, was totally against her being an actress back when she was alive. Dad's all for it. But she, she borrowed her mom's dress to go in for this screen test for Clifton for this whale movie, and bada bing, bada boom, she fucking got it. You know what I'm saying? She got the part. She got the whale woman. She gets the whale woman. He offers her $35 a week, which she countered. She's like, no, no, no. If you want me for this whale thing, it's 50 bucks a week. And he agrees. Oh, wow. Through the old inflation calculator, he offered her $600 a week initially. She countered for about $850. 
And he agreed. So she's making eight hundred fifty dollars a week to do this whale movie now. I love how like her first movie she's fucking counter yes. offering. Yeah. Yes. Already out the gate. Yeah. So he's like, you know what to expect when yeah. put the word on the street to Hollywood. This is what you expect to be dealing with me. Yeah. She's a fucking hustler from Brooklyn. She goes in, she's like, If you want the whale woman, it's me a nobody. I can also yeah. like imagine her at some dive bar in Hollywood just wasted being like like a decade <laughs> later being like you know how I got my start? Killing whales. Killing whales. <laughs> yeah, man, and imagine he offered her $600 a week, inflation-wise. Mm-hmm. That's like, yeah, imagine being broke, 18-year-old, mm-hmm. fucking, like... How many weeks, did you say? It how was, much? uh, yeah, it was... Probably like a they, they shot from September 1922, uh, and it went into distribution on March 4th, 1923, I don't know. I don't know if I have exactly how long it took. Ah, six weeks sounds about right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Silent I think it's film. Six weeks. Yeah. All pretty on logistics. She made you know. good money. She made some good yeah. money. You know, especially. It, it might have been the the naivete that kind of like gave her the courage to do that because like she hadn't at this point face countless rejections you know what i mean so right. like she hadn't gotten like kind of beaten down to the point where like fuck i'll take anything yeah she's like oh my god i'm 18 i'm already getting my first role like well that's fucking ask for fuck. more money you know what Let's i mean ask for yeah more, baby yeah yeah and all right look you want me listen. risking my ass killing was i wonder if they actually did like use practical effects and kill <laughs> oh, of course there's no <laughs> rules there's no laws here and there's look no laws yet i'm gonna say it i'm gonna put it out there i don't know no one knows but listen. She fucked that whale? Tis the time. Yeah. Tis, yes. She might have fucked the whale to get that salary for this movie. There's no telling. Mm. There's no telling if she did or not. Mm-hmm. But this this was the time. Yeah. And she yeah, was yeah. she was very she was not mm. shy. You're right. About right. having sex with people. Right. Yeah. So yeah. Who knows? Yeah. I'm not saying she did. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I'm saying that D.W. Griffith, it was the park was named after him, <laughs> certainly. But there, there's no certainty to whether or not she did this for the role. <laughs> but, you know, there is, there's some evidence there. Mm-hmm. Who knows? Sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it could be. Yeah. Anyway, just put it out there. Yeah. So the movie's called <laughs> Down to the Sea in Ships. She had negotiating power. That's right. Yeah. She had some negotiating power. Mm-hmm. Yes. And uh, Down to the Sea in Ships was shot on location in New Bedford, Massachusetts, and produced by independent The Whaling Film Corporation. <laughs> the Whaling Film Corporation was uh, the money behind this thing. So you know how the military paid for wings? Yeah. Uh, whales paid for this. <laughs> the killing yeah. of whales. Yeah, yeah. yeah. murdered whales. Yeah. It wasn't well, like happy whales enjoying their lives. They're just pulling out their big wallet yeah. out of their whale pocket. No, it was like whale carcasses yeah. paid yeah. for this thing. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Paid for in blubber. Blood money. Blubber, blubber money. Blubber money. <laughs> <laughs> this movie was paid for by blubber money. <laughs> And the movie documented life, love, and work in the whale hunter community. Life, love, and whale. Life, life, love, and blubber. <laughs> the production relied on a few less known actors and local talents, and it premiered at the Olum- at the Olympia Theater in New Bedford on September twenty fifth. The Olympia. The Olympia. It went on general distribution on March 4th, 1923, and Bo was billed 10th in the film. Mm. So she's fucking 10th on the roster, small role, but, you know, she's in there. But she is the one who, like, stood out. Everybody's like, I like the whale girl. Like, she was only in there for a second, Mm. but goddammit. She fucking stood mm-hmm. out. You know what I'm saying? Hey, guys, you know that second, second supporting actor? Yeah, <laughs> yes. Supporting co-actor? And it's happened. Yeah. It's happened in modern she movies, really too. She really stole the show. Yeah, man. I'm trying to think, like, right off the top of my head, somebody who was in a movie for, like, a second. And then, you know what? I'll say it. Uh, uh, damn it. What's her face? What's her name? Wait, I'm going to remember it here in a second. The one, she was in Twilight, and then she did the... Now she's, like, huge. She did... That George Clooney movie where he had to fire people. Anna Kendrick? Anna Kendrick mm. was a small part in Twilight. And I swear, dude, her career now is like huge from she that. She was a musical actress before, oh, too. Oh, that's right. So she did like theater stuff. And oh, that gotcha. was like her first bigger movie. Gotcha. Um, and then it was uh, all the Pitch Perfect stuff and all that shit. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. yeah I'm, just, I'm trying to think. I know, sure. man. Somebody who was like in a scene Something. who became huge from it. Uh, something will come to my brain. I mean, I'm sure that's almost every actor. We just didn't notice the small yeah, bit. Yeah, that's you know, we true. We didn't notice Brad the... Pitt was in the background oh, of uh, Terry uh, Lesson Cruz. Zero. 
Terry Crews. Yeah, training day. Training day. He he, was, he clapped yeah. for the birds. Yeah, yeah, He didn't even say anything. He was a bodyguard on set. Yeah, that's right. He was right. Ice Cube's bodyguard for on set in his trailer. And he was like, yo, you want to be in this scene? And yeah. I was like, okay, cool. Yeah, hell Whoa, yeah. Whoa, cool. Yep, that's right. So, uh... Yeah, she's getting shit written about her. She's like 10th build, and she's getting shit written about her. She's There are things like, Miss Bo will undoubtedly gain fame as a screen comedian. And she scored a tremendous hit in Down to the Sea and Ships and has reached the front rank of motion picture principal players. Like, overnight. Hmm. With her beauty, her brains, her personality, and her genuine acting ability... It should not be many moons before she enjoys stardom in the fullest sense of the word. You must see down to the sea in ships. And yeah, she stole this fucking picture. She blew up. Literally overnight sensation type of shit. Like, people are fucking going nuts over this girl now. Clara Bow is now a star. Nice. From, you know, boom, from the get. She's like Timothy Chalamet, <laughs> you know, bringing the money. This thing came out of March, and by mid-December... Clara was being awarded the Western Association of Motion Pictures Advertisers, or Wampas, Baby Star Award. That's not a real thing. Wampas, Baby Star. <laughs> that is what this was called. They couldn't have award. taken themselves seriously. <laughs> Yo, aren't you excited? You're winning a Wampa. You're getting a Wampa, Baby Star. Woo! Woo-hoo. You're a Wampa now. You're a Wampa, baby. And the old Wampa, Harry. The Wampa, Harry. Have the privilege of being in the Wampa Club. <laughs> I don't know if you know this, but I want a Wampa. <laughs> <laughs> so she's uh, she's up for this Wampa Baby Award, Baby Star Award. This was a promotional campaign that ran from 1922 to 1934 when it undoubtedly got shut down for, you know, horrendous things. Um, <laughs> but they... They honored 13 young actresses each year whom they believed to be on the threshold of movie stardom. This, uh, this Hot Kid's about to be a movie star. The Hot Kid Award. Know, the Hot Kid Award. The Hot Baby Award is basically what they called it. The Baby Star. Notable stars that received the Baby Star Award from the Wampas included Clara Bow, Janet Gaynor, Faye Ray, Dolores Del Rio, Mary Astor, Joan Crawford... Loretta Young, Gene Author, Ginger Rogers, and CAG's favorite co-star, Joan Blondell. Oh. All those women, at some point, were Wampas. Won the Hot Child Award. They were one of the Hot Children Awards. That's right. That's, a, that's where they began. I remember my career began when I won the Hot Baby this Award. This sounds like the most inappropriate award ever. Yeah, no, it's terrible. It's like, well, if you remember... You, you young girl, you got wampas now. You're a wampa now. Come to Hollywood. Well, if you remember when Clara Bow won the Fame and Fortune Award, they gave her like a fucking uh, lingerie kit when she was like 15. You <laughs> yeah, know? yeah, So yeah. she just went from that to the Wampas Hot Baby Awards. Yeah. Yeah. I wonder why they were all so sexual back then. Uh, in the spring of 1923, now she's now she's wampified. Now she's like fucking, you know, she's a hot baby wampa. So in the house of womp. In the house of womp. Yeah. So she is also two great band names. <laughs> house of womp. Baby hot, womp. Hot baby wampa. Hot baby wampa. <laughs> I loved Hot Baby Wampa when they used to play the House of Blues. Yeah, I know. They closed that place that down. That sounds man. like a '90s like zoot yeah. suit band. They were, <laughs> they were the last band to play the House of Blues before they closed it down. Hot Baby Wampa. Hot <laughs> Baby Wampa. In the spring of 1923, she gets a part in a movie called The Daring Years, a real uplifting film about a guy going to prison after being suspected of murdering his girlfriend's married boxer boyfriend. Wait. He murders his girlfriend's married boxer boyfriend. So she was married to the boxer? He's no. Oh, he was married. The boxer was married. And but dating he, his girlfriend. Dating his girlfriend. He's getting cucked by a married boxer. That's and, wow. Yeah. The layers. In nineteen twenty three, baby. This is a silent film? It was a silent How film. How did we convey all this information? It had to be a lot of uh, text on cards. <laughs> there is <laughs> So much happening. Just a, a lot of tongue and throat. This is <laughs> this is so pre-code. They're like, so let's have dude. let's have four affairs in one movie. Yes, yeah. Like all affairs, the movie. And then it was just a title card that was like, but you're a married boxer, and hmm. I have a boyfriend. Hmm. You know, 
So she does that movie. While filming The Daring Years, she made friends with legendary actress Mary Carr. And she was like a, at the time, she was, I mean, I don't know who to compare her to, like a fucking Meryl Streep of the silent film industry, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and Mary Carr, if you remember, these were the days there were no makeup artists on set. You're doing your own fucking makeup when you would come to set. That's you know? right. Yeah. And Mary Carr taught Clara how to do her makeup. She was like, mm. if you're going to be in the fucking big leagues, you got to stop with this, this circus shit that you do to your face, you know? Mm-hmm. We got to show you how to be a star around here. And then she would go mm-hmm. and, like, find a man to come punch her in the face and <laughs> give her a black eye because that's what all the women in the movies look like because the men were punching them so much, you know? <laughs> And so, like, that was how you did it. Do you want to learn how to put a black eye on with makeup? <laughs> nah. Nah. I'm pure method, Make baby. Make it real, baby. <laughs> Just get one of those drunk actors over there who wants to sign a Warner Brothers contract. They're a brand new studio on Sunset Boulevard. They're already beating women over there. So she teaches her how to do her own makeup, and this sort of, like, elevates her career. This was, like, this was like the missing puzzle piece here, you know? Now... Wait. Does she not already know how to do her makeup? She did, but not like the stars do it. Mm. That was the thing, man. Like, you'd show up to set, and like I said, there's no makeup artist. You're doing your own shit. And I mean, they might tell you, like, that doesn't really look very good. But I mean, there's only so much you can fucking do if you don't know how to do your makeup, you Mm. know? And you're doing your own thing. It's like, it's one of those things that you bring to set. It's one of those skill sets. It's like, uh, it's a tool of the trade, you know? Like, if you know how to do your own makeup and look like the other stars in the movie... That that is like yeah. I mean, I guess shit. I guess her uh, uh, nutso bananas mom never probably taught no. her. Do you remember she had like a year of lucidity where she <laughs> like cut her hair? Right. You know? Yeah. Yeah. She, so and yeah. there's no there's no YouTube tutorial. No, so. the only makeup her mom was doing was writing lipstick messages on a mirror, <laughs> like how fucking crazy she was. You know, she didn't know how to put that shit on her daughter. Actually. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. 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 But uh, so this is where she learned. That was where she learned was doing this movie. And after that, she does the Daring Years. After that, in the spring, she she books a movie for the summer, written by F. Scott Fitzgerald. Why do you want to? Why do you want to fuck Scott Fitzgerald? One of the no. Wait, what? Why, why are you saying fuck uh, Scott Fitzgerald? <laughs> that was good. That was good. I like that. I, I like this guy, Fitzgerald. <laughs> F. Scott Fitzgerald. Why are you saying fuck him? You know about F. What'd Scott he ever Fitzgerald, do? right? Yeah, I know. It's a Ted joke. Oh, yeah. Like, oh. it's verbatim just ripped out of Ted. Oh, uh, like, I love that. Little Teddy Bear's like, why, why, why you want to fuck Scott Fitzgerald? <laughs> What'd he do to you? So she books a movie for the summer written by fuck Scott Fitzgerald <laughs> called Grit about juvenile crime. And this was another tomboy role for her. So at this point, she is sort of finding this niche. Like, people want tomboys. It is mm-hmm. a time where people, there's a lot to be said about, like, you know, this is pre code. This is pre women mm-hmm. weren't being, like, fucking shut out and shut up yet. Women had a voice and they were talking about shit. And one of those things is I'm not exactly Miss, you know, feminine woman. You know, it's you know, it'd be really controversial. We'll take a girl and dress her like a boy. Exactly, exactly. Pushing the envelope, we're brother. Pushing the envelope, we're dude. These, we're 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 going places <laughs> this, they don't want us to go, yeah, man. Dude, this woman's wearing pants in my movie. Yeah. We're like, bro, fuck Scott Fitzgerald. They're gonna kill you for that. <laughs> you know? He's like, no, nah, dude, just wait. It's called grit. <laughs> where my name isn't fuck where my name ain't fu- they didn't name me fuck for nothing that's F. Scott Fitzgerald's real first name is just fuck his parents were just like let's give this kid a fucking head start baby yeah. <laughs> fuck Scott Fitzgerald fuck Scott Fitzgerald when we do the episode about him we're gonna talk about fuck Scott Fitzgerald okay wait oh is this F. Scott getting his own oh episode? man absolutely that I didn't know he was all over the place I didn't know he was a movie man he was a movie man I thought he was this is the guy who wrote Great Gatsby. No, so he wrote The Great Gatsby, and then there was a time in the 20s where these silent films were like, there's a lot of writing in these movies that comes up on the screen. <laughs> we should get people who do this shit, you know? <laughs> and so, like, they got a lot of novelists, like F. Scott Fitzgerald, some other people that I can't name off the top of my head because I'm not that smart, but other <laughs> novelists who they were making movies, you know? And they would sit at fucking Musso and Frank's, I shit you not, 
Fuck Scott Fitzgerald used to sit at Musso and Frank's, and he would adapt his novels into scripts, and he would go behind the bar and make his own drinks. That was like his whole thing. He would be like, "Fuck you, you can't." That make would be my drink. so funny to have like famous writers do the, the cards for different movies because it would be so in their style. Yes, like yeah. a like an Edgar Allan Poe card where it's just talking about birds and death. And pretty then, much, man. That was super dark ca- written cards. Hemingway super long winded. You gotta yeah. have a lot of cards. <laughs> the card is like. Uh, scroll of yeah. a fucking card for him. Let's do the fuck Scott Fitzgerald Let's episode. Let's do the fuck Scott Fitzgerald episode. I'll tell you about fuck. That man, <laughs> he was he was fucking awesome, old fuck. <laughs> my it's name a, isn't fuck. My name ain't fuck, baby. <laughs> She's finding this niche. She is the unladylike tomboy, but hot. You know, that's like her thing. And it and it's it's it was like the thing that sort of would keep you from getting roles as a mm-hmm. woman. She was finding out how to get a role that way, mm-hmm. you know. And she just found all the ones that fit her and she she certainly had no fucking problem finding work once she got going with that shit. Mm-hmm. So the director of Grit, not Fuck, Fuck wrote it, but the director, this dude, we've mentioned him once or twice, uh Frank Tuttle. He was a mm-hmm. legendary silent film director. And she went on to work after after Grit. She went on to work with this guy like five times and five other things throughout her like big career, you know. And he spoke about directing Clara. He said her emotion her emotions were close to the surface. She could cry on demand, opening the floodgate of tears as soon as I asked her to weep. She was dynamite, full of nervous energy and vitality, and pitifully eager to please everyone. And so that was like. And that kind of makes sense. Like, if you listen to part one, mm, yeah. you know, you won't be shocked that Clara was on the verge of tears all the time. For yeah, yeah. Yeah. And she, that was... <laughs> she could cry on the man, almost like she had this terrible memory <laughs> of her friend on fire in yeah, front of her eyes. Yeah, it was like, I don't think she was crying on the man. I think she was not crying on the man. You know what I mean? It was like, she was finding the times not to cry, and she was just letting it out in the right moments, you know? She was kind of just in a 24-hour cry cycle, you know, from her life. Uh, <laughs> it was really the space betweens that she was looking for. I love the image of just somebody crying all day, yeah. every day, and the and her acting is is not crying and turning it off. It's sort of like my life, to be honest. <laughs> yeah. when, I'm just acting. I'm crying on the inside. Yeah, yeah. I cry a lot. My tear ducts are uh, they're out. You know, That's right. they're dried up from the cigarettes. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> my tear ducts dried up from the cigarettes. I started death at birth. I'm dehydrated. I'm dehydrated. That's why I drink so much water. It's tear juice. <laughs> it's a little trick I learned from old fuck. That's right. Old fuck taught me to drink water so I can refill my tear ducts. Because I'm just constantly crying. So while working on Grit in 1923, Clara met her first boyfriend, a cameraman named Arthur Jacobson, who uh, this guy later on became like a big AD. Yeah, and then a full director, actually. And he shot some westerns, like Home on the Range, later on in life. But right now, in 1923, he's just this little camera guy and Clara, the new big star. Sort of like Margot Robbie marrying that PA. Yeah. And Margot Robbie playing in Babylon. Yeah. Clara Bow, exactly. It's yeah. all just Margot Robbie. Clara yeah. Bow is just Margot yeah, Robbie. Yeah, that's, that's exactly what it is. Yeah, yeah. So that's what this is. Mm-hmm. She's uh that 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 OnlyFans girl that you mentioned earlier. <laughs> Tana Monog or whatever, Tana Mowgli. So she meets this boyfriend, and you know, so far this has all been in New York. This has been a New York tale this whole time. This whole time you've been in the Big Apple, by the way. Mm. Uh, she is, and you know, this is sort of uh, per that time period. I mean, when you were doing silent films back in those days, you would sort of stay local because that was, you know, mm. I mean, it was fucking 1923. What are you going to fucking hop on a plane and. Go to L.A. and call your agent on the AOL. Fat chance. You know, fat fucking chance. You're not going to MySpace your fucking manager. Yeah. How would you communicate? How would you communicate? There was no communication back then. She's sending a fucking message in a bottle. Birds don't to, fly that fast. Yeah. <laughs> you can get that in four to eight business months. Wow. She put her headshot in a bottle and put it in the ocean. And it finally reached L.A., you know. There's definitely radio and cable and <laughs> no, probably man. telephones. That's for rich folks, yeah. which I guess she is making a good deal of money by. I know she's still. I'm sure she's hey, look, still like those birds get lost. Yeah, you know? birds get lost. My headshot's in a bottle. It just hasn't reached yet. You know, I gave <laughs> I gave my resume to a bunch of pirates to go deliver to L.A. You know, the bird ate the message. <laughs> he got hungry on the way, little fucker. I gave him some cigarettes to smoke.
smoke, but he still had a had an appetite. So this has all been in New York, you know, except for the whaling movie she filmed in Massachusetts. But she still she got cast in New York from that for yeah. that for the, for the whale girl, you know. So she's filming Grit in a story in New York at Pyramid Studios, kind of a big studio at the time ish. So so far she's had a New York based film career, but not for long, because Hollywood, baby. Hollywood's coming to calling. Hollywood comes knocking. A visitor came to Pyramid Studios. A man by the name of Jack Bachman. What's old Jack's deal? Jack, he was a bigwig over in Hollyweird at Preferred Pictures. Preferred? Preferred Pictures. What happened to them? They were an independent studio that had broken away from Paramount. Oh. This was like... Uh, How'd that uh, work out for him? It, it didn't. <laughs> <laughs> it didn't. Well, it worked out-ish for a while. Until it didn't. Until it got like absorbed into other people. But, uh, you know, we can only have five big studios here. There's only room for there's only room for that. But Preferred Pictures, it was like this fucking like, rogue studio who had broken away from Paramount. Uh, we're Jack, doing what we want. Yeah, yeah, we do what we want, baby. We're going to get this wailing tomboy and make her a star. You know what I mean? From New York. And uh, he came to visit set, and he was here to talk to Clara about a contract with Preferred Pictures. They wanted to fly her out to L.A. and put her in an apartment for three months on a $50 a week contract, which, again, that's like $800 a week, just to see how things go, basically. It was like, uh, you know, on probation, we're going to do this thing, we're going to test it out, see how it goes. And we're going to put you up in an apartment, pay for the plane, and the plane's going to be a tin can with a bunch of wicker seats and no seat belts. But you are going to get to Hollywood at some point. You it know? is just a giant bird. It's just a giant bird. Yeah. yeah. You're going <laughs> to hop on the back of an albatross and fly to Los Angeles. You know, we gave the albatross some cigarettes for on the way, and you guys got to split them. So you know? just don't fall asleep and make sure the albatross doesn't <laughs> fall asleep either. Don't fall asleep. Uh, if the pilot falls asleep, maybe shake him a few times because he is very drunk. You know, it is the 1920s. So you definitely. Here's some seed. Use it. Brashing it out throughout the trip. <laughs> and if anybody gets tired, here's some cocaine in a bottle. Yeah, here's some cocaine in a bottle. Don't give it to the albatross, but he does love it. And and if you do... I mean, if you want to get there a little faster... <laughs> right. You know, and if you, if you make it to LA Alive, we'll put you in an apartment and give you $50 a week to see how things go over here at Preferred Pictures. And they already had her first role all lined up. There was a movie they were doing called Maytime. Directed by Louis Gasnier. Oh, remember that guy? Yeah. No. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yes, you do. You do remember him. Who's no. Who's old Louis G? He directed uh, Reefer Madness. Oh, yes, yeah, that's right. Okay. And, uh, we did a whole episode about that guy. I don't believe if not remember him. Yeah, I hardly remember. I don't remember most things that we talk no, about. No, me neither, man. Who's just, James Cagney? We throw it out in the ether and we let it go, baby. It's like it's like our our children. I can't wait till we do that Cagney episode. I've been hearing so much about it. <laughs> <laughs> really, it's great. A thousand listens. Whoa, Cagney Part One. And nice. what's funny is like we weren't even in our swing and like in our rhythm or in no our stride. Way, dude. So like uh, the first episode was like us getting into it, yeah. and I'm like, but it's good. Yeah, it holds I've up. Listen to it. It holds up. It's yeah. fucking good, man. It's like fine wine, you I know? Think, yeah, Age right. as well. They got this movie all lined up that they're doing called Maytime, Louis Gasnier. Uh, it's all about incest. It's just like generations of cousins oh, fucking. Like, so yeah. She was typecast again. Yeah, she's typecast again. We're going to share You know her. this movie about family members fucking family members? I think you'd be great for <laughs> I it. I think you'd be great for it. We're going to pay you $50 a week to do it if you I'm, survive the plane to LA. You've got a pain in your eye that we recognize. <laughs> <laughs> we think you've had sex with family before. So we want to bring just, you to act like you did. I'm trying to work through my traumas and get paid for it, okay? That's exactly what we're doing here, Clara. We're going to give you some free therapy. We're going to pay you for it, as a matter of fact. No, we're actually going to torture you mentally on screen <laughs> hey, so you can deliver the best performance of Once pain. again, man, method acting. Is it destroying humans? Absolutely. But do we get Oscar-worthy performances out of it? Make yeah. me an artist. Yeah, you know but actors aren't humans. So yeah. We have <laughs> the, the uh, you're going to win an Oscar for this. What's that? We haven't invented it yet, but when we do, you're going to win one. Yeah, when you guys get too yappy, we're going to invent an award to give to you to to justify all the torment that we put you through, you know? 
So, Who's this guy named Oscar? And why are you trying <laughs> to set me up with him? <laughs> well, it's actually Louis B. Mayer, and you're going to meet him at the at the couch out back. He's the guy who invented the, the Oscar. So, in July of 1923, <laughs> Luella Parsons of the New York Morning Telegraph issued a press release that New York's own 18-year-old Clara Bow had inked a contract and was headed for Hollywood. She wrote, she is refreshingly unaffected, as if she had never faced a means to pretend. She hasn't any secrets from the world. She trusts everyone. She is almost too good to be true. I only wish some reformer who believes the screen contaminates all who associate with it could meet this child. <laughs> Still, on second thought, it might not be safe. Claire uses a dangerous pair of eyes. What? So that, that was a whole woman, nonsense paragraph. It's not safe to meet this child because she'll seduce you with her eyes. That is what this woman is saying. This woman is saying, 18-year-old Clara Bow is coming over here. She means business. She's a great actress. But also, she is going to get fucking railed by every producer in town. That's what she just said. Oh, my God. Yeah. And, uh, and you know, she interviews Clara for this magazine. And that was uh, what she surmised. Was uh, this girl... Is great, but uh, she's gonna be, she's gonna be turned out, you know. So uh, and uh, by the way, they became longtime friends after this interview. Like, nice. Yeah, yeah. Clarabo and Luella Parsons became longtime friends after this interview. Hopefully, she looked after Clara. Maybe just a nah. little bit. Nah. nah. <laughs> she wants to watch the train wreck. That's why right, she's yeah. saying this shit. Yeah, she gets more content. Clara leaves New York. She's like, fuck this. I'm going to Hollywood, baby. Nice. They're going to put me on a tin can and fly me out there. Hell yeah. She left, Love uh, albatrosses. Loved it. She's hopping on an albatross. She's headed her way to Los Angeles. Mm -hmm. And uh, she left her father, her rapey father behind, uh, and her boyfriend, by the way. Oh, yeah, the was, cameraman? Yeah, the cameraman. They they did not have a very long... Yeah, it's, she was cheating on him anyway. Yeah, she was definitely going to cheat on him. Or mm -hmm. already. Yeah. yeah. For sure. Who? Uh, That's who? like being a groupie in a band and hooking up with, like, the sound guy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like, so, of course you're yeah. always going to stray from that. Yeah. You're just using that as, mm -hmm. like, you know, yeah. way to be on set. He was cute. <laughs> oh. He was cute. But, you know, mm -hmm. I got I got better things to do. Yeah. Uh, so she leaves and preferred pictures appointed. <laughs> so it was this writer, writer agent lady, Maxine Alton. And they basically put Maxine on babysitting duty. Like, go what to. What a 1920s studio woman <laughs> yes. named Maxine. Maxine Alton. And her job was to go to New York and hop on the plane with Clara to come back to LA and move in the apartment with her. Because she's an 18-year-old fucking New York kid, and we know she's going to go nuts as soon as she gets here. <laughs> so Maxine was like, okay, I'll make sure that she doesn't die. You know? <laughs> <laughs> Clara, Clara labor, later labeled Maxine as a fucking liar and never really expounded upon why. <laughs> she just did not like this lady at all. <laughs> her fucking RA in college. Yeah, her, her college RA. Exactly. Yeah. She fucking hates this lady. In late July, Bo entered Studio Chief B.P. Schulberg's office of Preferred Pictures wearing a simple high school uniform in which she had won several gold medals on the old cinder track. Remember the cinder track? Oh, yeah. The cinder track days? So um. she, wore her, she wore her high school track uniform with her medals on it uh, into this test and B.P. Schulberg was like, oh, yeah, I like this. I like this. Bring in the money, man. Um, <laughs> I am the money, man. Yeah. Bring in me. Man. Bring me in. <laughs> Put me in, coach. <laughs> He's just talking to himself. She's <laughs> <laughs> like, are you okay? He's like, I'm a little schizophrenic. Oh, a little crazy. You're going to find out. <laughs> Bring in the money, man. And then he walks out of the room and comes back in. <laughs> He's like, the money man is here. <laughs> BP is daddy now. Uh, yeah, so after a screen test, Bo was signed on preferred pictures. So you remember, she's coming down here for a three-week contract, $50 a week. It's supposed to be a probationary thing. She goes into his office. Like I said, I'm not saying anything. She was dressed like a schoolgirl. She was dressed like a schoolgirl. <laughs> she goes in his office. She comes out with a permanent contract to preferred pictures. Not a three-week probationary contract. She is there forever. <laughs> she, she is cemented in preferred pictures history now. Again, 
I don't know how. Must be <laughs> a fucking great leg. <laughs> like, she, say what you will, but that woman. She puts is up convincing arguments. Probably she, amazing in bed. Yep. She has a way with words. Mm-hmm. No doubt about it. I don't think words really <laughs> played a factor. Like I said. Like I said, you know, I just did a voice. I didn't say anything. No one knows what happens behind those doors. That's right. That's well, damn right. At least two people at one point knew what yeah, happened yeah, behind those sure. doors. Yeah. <laughs> so she and that fucking liar, Maxine Alton, were put in an apartment together, the Hillview, over by Hollywood Boulevard. Mm-hmm. So you know how Keith's building is like a TikTok building? Yeah. This building was for 18-year-old actresses. Nice. Yeah, this was for... That sounds fun. <laughs> yeah. Back in the day, this was the, the you know, the Vine Star apartment building, or the, the Oaks, where all the child actors live, up there on a fucking by Universal in the Valley. Incredible. And where all the momagers live. Sounds like so much cocaine. Yeah. The Hillview was the hype house of the silent Fuck film yeah. yeah. Nice. Okay. <laughs> yeah, dude. And it was. It was a fucking party. It was. You were not wrong. It was like cocaine, fucking, uh, you know. Heroin, heroin. Yes. All the above. There would be like, you know, girls who were uh, flappers and jazz and drugs and actresses and artists. Cigarettes, booze, weed, and heroin and blow. Yeah. That's that's pretty much it. Whatever you want. This apartment building was owned by studio executives who would put all their talent there so they could like pull them off the shelf shelf and dry mm-hmm. them off to go do a day of work at the studio yeah. you know we we know where these people are they're all in one place yeah, at least yeah. we know their address yeah, you know? yeah. <laughs> it's like they're not going anywhere they're not going anywhere we need them to cry on camera tomorrow as, as long as there's enough cocaine in that house they're not leaving it <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, it's my job to put cocaine on the plate to keep them right where they are <laughs> the fucking hill view baby now do you think they time. were doing adrenochrome in the early 20s or oh, did yeah. that come later Clara Bow was doing her own adrenochrome she's, she's harvesting it from yeah. herself and she's, redoing she would scare she herself. That bad of a bitch? She would scare right. herself in the mirror and then dig it out of her neck and <laughs> snort that shit. She just had one of those slinky straws from the soda pop shop. <laughs> she look at a she look at a picture of her dad and then fucking slinky straw that shit right is out that of her a, neck. Is that apartment building still here, Hillview? Uh, let me see what it became. I'm sure a brothel. See. Do we have an address? Let's <laughs> me see a brothel. <laughs> 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 it is now a whorehouse. It is, uh, yes, so now it is called a the problem. Hudson Hollywood Apartments. It's at 6533 Hollywood Boulevard. It's right ex- down the street. I know exactly what fucking apartment building this is. Really? I tried to get in there. There's, it's like, it's what? so hard to get into that Dude, place. I yeah, you, I almost I almost live there. You gotta be a silent film actor. Um, it's, so it's, you know where No Vacancy is? Yeah. It's it's the one no right way. there. No It's like right here. Yeah, where Black Rabbit Rose is Holy the bar. Shit. Black Rabbit Rose is the bar at the bottom, yeah. and then like... Yeah, no vacancies behind it, along with Secret and Tequila. That's so crazy, and, man. Yeah that, yeah, yeah. that used to be the silent film, Young yeah. Actor. Yeah, yeah, because I think the Hillview sign is still on it. That's why I was yeah. like, where is that? Because I thought it was that spot. Um, yeah, I try, I've try. i tried to get in there so many times um, uh, because they are, believe it or not, they are the same price I'm playing, paying for here. Oh, shit. But they have, like, actually, like, a dishwashers, and, like, they have, like, they oh, renovated shit. the place. Like, they're actually, like, that nice. They're nice apartments, yeah. but they are the same price as what I'm paying right now. Damn. Uh, but, yeah, there's, like, a massive wait list. It's, like, impossible to get into that place. That'd be a great fucking movie about the Hillview. Just yeah. like just the Hillview, like a, a yeah. day at the Hillview would probably be an interesting story. Yeah. Imagine this Maxine Alton lady from the studio, or, yeah, Alton, who mm. had to stay there with Clara, and she's, like... She's like the manager in the dirt for yeah, Motley Crue. Yeah, like, you know, like that's that's her. She's like yeah. definitely like trying to keep this girl alive while she's fucking living in like the the young party apartment. Imagine for new if I stars. imagine if I had gotten into that apartment. We were recording oh, this man. right there. We were recording at right, the Hillview. That would be nuts. We'd be like, we're here. <laughs> we look it up. We figure it out that we're here we're in Clarabo's apartment. <laughs> yeah, there's still some of like her juices around here. <laughs> And that's where I'm going to end you. Okay, uh, in part all right. Two. That's yeah. where I'm going to leave you on part two. Right at the hill view. Right at the hill view. And we're going to begin part three. And now we're going to talk about fucking Hollywood Clarabow. Nice. Hollywood Clarabow. Nice. This is where it all really gets Two blocks off. down the street. That's right. Two blocks down the street. This girl is going to become literally the it girl as she fucking 
coined the phrase. Until we revisit this topic, if you would uh, like to follow my Hollywood adventures, right. you can follow me at Hollywood Drake on TikTok, at uh, Drake L. Cummings on TikTok, and just Draking Around also on TikTok. <laughs> nice, bro. Or on my Instagram at Drake L. Cummings or YouTube at Drake Cummings. Yes. Uh, find me at Sailor underscore Dev on Insta and Abracadabra Dev on Twitter. Very nice. Okay, so you can find me at James Wyatt Scott or Jimmy Deloy, depending on where you're looking for me. Film History, The History of Film, FHHF Podcast, depending on where you're looking for that shit. You can also find us at Patreon at patreon.com, Film History, History of Film. Yes. If, you, if you type in a combination of Patreon and Film History, I'm sure you'll find us. Trust me, um, you'll get what you'll get your worth out of it. <laughs> there is currently a uh, outtakes compilation that goes up every month. Yeah. And then also whenever we can uh, find find some fun bits, we do a little fun bit that didn't make it into the episode. Also, I got a new show. Ah. Oh. Uh, I got to plug a new show. I just started a show with uh, Shelby Scott from Scare You to Sleep. Mm-hmm. And it is also a historic-based show. This show is called Historic Hangouts. There's two episodes out already wherever you listen to podcasts, and it is basically we take historic buildings and we tell you what happened there. Cool. And we tell you we, we got one out about Musso and Frank's and or Musso and Frank is what it's really called. Uh, and I take you all the way back to when it was open and Charlie Chaplin is racing horses down Hollywood Boulevard with his friends and then we did a sort of a zag on it and I did the green ta- the green dragon tavern in Boston which was like the headquarters of the revolution. Yeah. Yeah, like Samuel Adams. On the Freedom Trail, all, right? Yeah, on the Freedom Trail. It was where the Sons of Liberty planned the revolution. I did an American thing there when I was 16. I was in Boston, and I nice. walked in there with a fake ID and ordered a beer on a <laughs> school field trip. That's fucking awesome, dude. That's about It felt thing. very rebel. Absolutely. George Washington would be damn proud of yeah. that, for sure. And old Johnny Hancock. You did your country proud, brother. Yeah. That's right. It was more yeah. like a Sam Adams and a drunken son of liberty. But you gotta yeah. order a Sam Adams there. That's where Sam Adams did his whole thing. That's, where, that's was, where he really was. That's where he was doing the whole Sammy that's thing. That's right. He was know? doing the whole Sammy thing. I make a joke about it on the show that you can hear if you go listen to it. Historic Hangouts. Nice. Uh, and you can also find me growing up to be a woman whaler. I don't care what dad says. <laughs> and that's been film history. The, the history, history of film. film. You know what I'm talking about.